I'm going to direct your attention to one passage of Scripture, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. And while you are turning there, uh, to all of our faithful people of God from New Life, all of our members, thank you for being faithful to the house of God. Amen. It's just great to see you. I do not presume upon you. I don't look and say, well, they're just supposed to be here. Yeah, we're supposed to be here. But it's great that you are here. Amen. And so to our members, our guests, all of our friends that are here, we just are grateful. Thank you to the great team of men that spruced up around the grounds yesterday. They've got things looking so great around here. And let me just say, while I'm on that subject, one of the things that we're shooting for is October 22nd. Everybody say October 22nd. October 22nd is a Friday night, and we are going to dedicate this building to the Lord on that Friday night. And we're going to have special guests that are with us, but the most special are the people that call this your home church. We're together going to dedicate this building to the Lord. We want you to put that on your calendar. You've been seeing about that on social media and some of our announcements. That will be at 7 p.m. that night. And then we will have a great homecoming service on Sunday, October 24th. We've got people that used to attend New Life that due to work, uh, family, they moved away, but they're coming back in for that Sunday morning. It's going to be a great celebration Sunday, and we're very, very excited about that. So mark that on your calendar and join us for a great time in the Lord. If you're at Matthew 13, would you say, I'm there? Matthew 13, and we'll begin at verse number one. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables. Now, if you didn't ever think that Jesus was kind of a sharp guy, I'm going to prove to you that he was. Bible says he went and sat down by the seashore, but when he saw many, many people coming, he got into a boat and turned toward them on the shore and began to speak to them. How many of you have ever been out on a boat in the lake and another boat is way far away, but you can hear their conversation? Maybe I need to ask it like this. How many of you have heard conversations from other boats you wish you had not heard? You know why that is? Because water conducts sound. So Jesus, knowing this, said, if there's a lot of people here, I'm not just going to get them around me at the seashore. I'm going to push out in a boat a little and let the water help me amplify my voice. That's pretty, that's pretty shrewd right there. And he spoke to them in parables. Look down at verse number 44. It's one verse that I will use today for my text. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hid in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Everybody say that field. Amen. Amen. Just set your Bible down, and I want you to pray for me as a preacher. I want you to pray for you as the congregation, to all of us. The word will be declared correctly. 
the word will be received correctly. How many of you feel like we need to hear from the Lord today? Amen. Would you lift up your voice with me right now? Let's, let's invoke God's great presence on this message. Lord, thank you so much that we get this opportunity to open up your word and to learn from your word. I pray in the next few moments, Lord, that you will allow your scriptures to find a lodging place in our heart. Oh, Jesus, I pray every distraction will be removed from this house, Lord. Every power of hell that would try to distract, Lord, would be silenced in the name of Jesus. And Lord, in its place, I pray, will be a singular voice of the Holy Ghost that will speak to us today. God, we need to hear from you, Lord. And I pray it would be done in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Amen. And would you say amen? Bless you. You may be seated. McGuire, Sienna, it's great to have you back. We're very excited about your upcoming wedding, very excited about your ministry, and we're very proud of you. I want you to know that. Amen. It's a wonderful thing to see our great folks from New Life being so mightily used of the Lord. We value you and we esteem you highly today. It was February 2015, and a violent storm came to the nation of Israel. This storm churned up the Mediterranean coastline and the morning after the worst of the storm, a man by the name of Vika Fayer donned scuba diving equipment and began to dive off of this ancient port town in Caesarea. Caesarea has a long and a storied Past. It was ruled by Queen Cleopatra. After the area was conquered by Rome, it was ruled by Herod the Great. And by 6 AD, it was the capital of the Roman province of Judea and even home to Pontius Pilate. And while Vika was scuba diving that morning, something caught his eye out of the corner of his eye. It was gleaming, it was glistening, and the seafloor was littered with gold coins having Arabic script on both of the sides. And when those coins were ex excavated from the seafloor, they were found to be dinars. Dinars is a currency, even to this day, that is used in the country of Iraq. They were found to be dinars minted during the time period just before the First Crusade in 1095 A.D. Think about that with me. Think about that with me for just a moment. Almost a millennium earlier, somehow the coins made it to the floor of the sea. And almost a millennium later, a scuba diver came across them. In all, over 2,000 coins were pulled from the sea. They were all found to be 24 karat gold, having a purity in excess of 95%. He went from being a scuba diver to a rich man all in one morning. There's something 
about treasure. And I am asking God in this turbulent time, this time of confusion, time of division, time when it seems the only certainty is uncertainty, that God on Sunday morning would show us something out of the ordinary. We have been praying and we have been fasting even this week and asking the Lord, Lord, we're not satisfied yet. We want more of your spirit. We want more of your anointing. We want to have our ears tuned a little bit better to the frequency of heaven. Do I have a witness in this house on that? Is there anybody hungry for more of God today? Is there anybody that is dissatisfied with just a get-by mentality? I have made up in my mind, I want everything that God has for me. I want everything that God has for my family today. I want everything that God has for my wife, my son, and my daughter. Let me say it like this. If Jesus has a blessing, I want that blessing. If there is a revelation that God wants to give from his word, I want that revelation. If there are healings available today, I want those healings. Oh, hear me right now. I am thankful, but I haven't settled down yet. I am blessed, but I want more blessing. Status quo just won't cut it. Amen. Now, I, I've shared this with this church before, but I had someone ask me after a sermon one day. They said, why is it that you get so red in the face? Why is it that you spit when you preach? If you don't think that's true, come up and look at this pulpit after service. Don't touch it, just look at it. And I'll tell you exactly why. It's not because of my temperament. It's not because of my personality. It's not because of my charisma. It's because I am aware this might be the last chance that we have to be together. You say, oh no, Brother Gaddy, we're going to have small groups on Wednesday night. We plan on having small groups on Wednesday night. But Brother Tim, I've made up in my mind, if I've got one more shot, I'm not going to leave anything on the field. If I've got one more opportunity to lift up holy hands, I'm going to lift up holy hands. If I've got one more service to preach God's word, far be it from me to just get by. Status quo. Get through it. Come on, new life. We want more today. We're desperate for more. Now let me make some statements I've made before, and I'll, I'll make them at risk of sounding redundant, but I'll say them anyways. We are living in the greatest day of God's church. We are living in the greatest day of God's church. I'm going to tell you something. It's easy for us to open up our Bible and to assume that this is the ultimate when it comes to results and understanding. Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I think our whole lives are built on this word right here. I think our whole existence as a church is built on this book right here. But did you know there are more people being filled with the Holy Ghost right now?
than in all of the book of Acts combined in your Bible. And as long as you and I relegate results and revelation to simply what is contained in the pages of this book, we will be dissatisfied because we do not expect for more. But I am expecting God every time we come together to show up and to minister to every person here. If you've got an addiction, you're in the right place today. If you need a lifting in your spirit, you're in the right place today. If you need a healing, you're in the right place today. We are living in the greatest hour of the church. The greatest hour of the church. Jesus proved this when he declared in Matthew 13 and verse 16, just a few verses from our text, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. But we get to experience it today. Oh, I'm going to keep on preaching it till some of y'all get it today. We get to experience it. There are prophets of old who would look down at Cabot today and say, I prophesied about it, but I did not see it come to pass. There are prophets that would look at what is happening in Cabot and say, my ears heard about it, but I never experienced it for myself. But brothers and sisters, guests and friends, we get to experience it today. We get to see the last day outpouring. We get to see an end time revival. Praise God. Amen. Jesus was a master storyteller. I love reading Jesus' sermons. He spoke in parables. If you're unfamiliar with the parable, it's a made-up story involving practical elements. If you read the parables, you'll hear him talk about things like stones and seed and trees, but they are designed to be a story to communicate spiritual truth. Jesus said it earlier in Matthew chapter 13, I speak in parables that they may know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. It is in this 44th verse of Matthew chapter 13 that it's a singular verse. It's a singular verse containing a parable that simply declares the kingdom of heaven is like. Here's the analogy. Here's the story. Here's the parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that is hidden in the field. Now I want you to notice a few things this morning. Not everybody knew that it was there. Not everybody was aware of the rich treasure close by. Just because they traveled in the field, they weren't aware of it. Because when it comes to treasure, not everybody knows that it's there. And Jesus said, the kingdom is a treasure. Whew. The kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field. 
Now listen to, listen to pastor today. Jesus did not say just church services are a treasure. Jesus did not say just giving in the offering is a treasure. Jesus did not say just fellowship and connection with other believers is a treasure. He said the kingdom is a treasure. There's something about the kingdom. There is something about the kingdom that goes beyond emotion. It goes beyond what I can even... There's something about the kingdom that has great worth and has great value. The prophet Isaiah penned words, I, the Lord said, will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. Please hear me this morning. As long as church is just a mandatory weekend habit, it will never change a life. But the kingdom of God, that's a game changer. As long as I am here, just to scratch an itch that says I was in church on Sunday morning. That will be nice for 90 minutes, but it'll never change a life. But the kingdom of God, we're talking something completely different. Jesus said that's more than a good feeling. That's more than just a Sunday high. That is a treasure. There's something about the kingdom that has great value. The church... It's a great place to connect with friends. It's a great place to be encouraged. It's a great place to hear inspiring stories. But if those things are why I'm a part of the church, then I am missing the big picture. Because clubs and social groups can provide friendship opportunities. And TED Talks can encourage and inspire. But the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is not confined to this world. The kingdom of God, everything about the kingdom is not confined to this terra firma. When you get after the kingdom, you and I are a part of something that has no limits and has no boundaries and has no borders. There's something about the kingdom. Woo! Something about the kingdom today. The kingdom is so much greater than stuff. Now when I typed that in my notes, I said, Jesus, I need a better way to say it than that. He said, just say it like that. But the kingdom of God is so much greater than what God gives us. It's so much greater than stuff. It's why Paul said to the Romans, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness. It is peace. And it is joy in the Holy Ghost. There's something about the kingdom. You can't quantify it. You can't limit it. It's not just meat and drink. It's not just food on the table and drink in the cup. But it is the limitless power of righteousness. 
I want to ask you, how many are glad that his blood flowed freely from Calvary? How many of you are glad that when he clothed you in his righteousness, he didn't wash you as white as pink, he washed you white as snow? He is a righteous God imputing his righteousness. Can anybody in this house put a price tag on joy today? Anybody at New Life on Sunday morning put a price tag on peace today? Anybody find yourself with everything rocking around you and chaos swirling, but when you go to prayer, you feel a peace that goes beyond understanding? I'm preaching about the kingdom today. It's a treasure like no other. What a treasure. What a treasure. But not everyone is going after the kingdom. Why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Watch this now. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few that find it. Not everybody is going after the treasure. But Jesus said the kingdom is like a treasure hid in a field. And a man found it. I'm so glad Jesus said it like that. Because this treasure can be found. I don't know if it's because I wasn't here last Sunday, but I feel dangerous today. I'm going to tell somebody under the sound of my voice on Sunday morning, the treasure of the kingdom can be found. It's not some mystical, hooky, spooky thing that you got to be at New Life for 12 years and pay your tithe every Sunday to get at it. If we just have a hunger for it, there is a God in heaven wanting to show us the kingdom. And give us the kingdom. He said the man was in the field and he found the treasure. Everybody say you found the treasure. Look at someone near you right now and say you can find the treasure. (laughs) You can find what I'm preaching about today. You can have what I'm preaching about today. You can access what I'm preaching about today. The man found the treasure. You want to know why he found it? Because he was looking for it. Years ago, we were looking for an SUV. We wanted to buy an SUV instead of a, uh, just a regular sedan. And so we wanted to buy a Ford because that's the greatest car company in the history of the world. I just won some points with my dad right there with that. And so Stacy and I got online and we started looking at Ford SUVs and we decided to buy an Expedition. And so I told my wife, I said, baby, while we're driving around town, we need to keep our eyes open, and I'm sure there's people in Cabot that drive expeditions, and maybe it'll give us an idea of what it looks like and all that, just not on a website and all that. She said, okay. How many of you know, it's amazing how many Ford Expeditions you'll see when you're looking for them. The most famous comment in that season of our life was, oh, there's one. 
oh, there, there's another one. Oh, that's, that's a newer one. Ooh, that's a rough one right there. You'll find what you're looking for. Can I tell you something? Listen. In a church, you'll find what you're looking for. If you're looking for faults, guess what? You'll find them. Oh, not at New Life. This is a perfect church. No, because you and I are in the church. It's not a perfect church. If you want to find unfaithfulness, you'll find it in the church. You want to find hypocrites, you'll find them in the church. But I have not come looking for hypocrites. I haven't come looking for imperfections. I know that's here. I've come on Sunday morning looking for the kingdom. Looking for the kingdom. Looking for the kingdom. Looking for the kingdom. Where is God moving? What is God doing? What is God saying? Come on. The man found the treasure. You will look for. You will find what you look for. I'm looking for the kingdom. I'm looking for kingdom opportunities. It's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things, all the practical things of life will be added unto you. When this man found it, he was looking for it. He was pursuing after it. He was getting after it. It is active. Here's the thing, folks. This is not rocket science. I, I, sometimes as a preacher, Brother Johnson, I know you felt this as a pastor. Sometimes I wish I could just say it in a way that every single person at the same time understands it. But can I tell you something? We make this way too hard. Yeah, that's not almost right. That is right right there. We make this way too complicated. Brother Gaddy, I can't be a part of the kingdom like you're a part of the kingdom because I'm not a preacher. And I haven't served the Lord. I have some failing tendencies. No, 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 no. You're letting yourself off the hook. You're disqualifying yourself. I'm here waving my hand at you saying you can find the kingdom. You can find the treasure. You've got to go after it. You've got to pursue after it. It's an active thing. To find the kingdom involves action. So he finds the treasure and he hides it. Now, this was the part of this, this passage that was a little strange to me. He hides it. It was common in this era to hide money or other belongings in the ground. Banks, like we think of them in the modern world, simply did not exist. Poverty, political upheaval made everyone vulnerable to having their possessions taken or stolen by those in power. And it would have been more common compared to now for a stash of valuables to be left in the ground because the previous owner died without letting anyone know that they were there. Local laws and customs seem to suggest that as long as the treasure remained buried, it was considered part of the field. But if it was removed from the earth, it was the property of whomever owned the land. In other words, the treasure could not simply be taken. That would be theft. But if the field's 
owner sold the land, he would also be selling what's buried on the land. And the new owner would be legally free to dig it up and claim the treasure as their own. And so in response to this man finding the treasure, burying it to protect it for a few days, in response, the scripture says, he joyfully went and sold all that he had. Unequivocally, unashamed, And without hesitation, the greatest joy in life, the greatest satisfaction in life, the greatest future for our life, and the most fulfilling life is found when we sell out. Unequivocally, when we sell it all and say there's nothing like that treasure. There is nothing like that treasure. I will go and I'll sell the John Deere tractor and I'll sell the SUV and I'll sell the the, the share, the vacation home and I'll sell this. Why? Because I've got to get that treasure. Oh, come on, hear me on Sunday morning. There is a danger in the church of playing it safe. We don't see that in the Bible. There is a danger of just playing it safe and hoping that the cards come up our way and the numbers show up in our favor. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that the disciples left all and followed Jesus. They left their secular jobs. They left their nets. They left their boats. They left their families. And they followed after him. I've had people tell me before, good people, God, praying people say, I, I would move, Brother Gaddy. I would act, but I'm waiting on the Lord to tell me. He's telling you. I'm waiting on God to speak. He's speaking. I've been feeling it, Brother Gaddy. I've been feeling an urge to go deeper in the Holy Ghost, to pray more and to seek the face of God and get in the Word and start a Bible study and talk to someone about being in small groups. I feel an urge, but if God will just speak to me, would you give me the the sixth confirmation? Everybody look right here. It is always God's will to follow God's word. That's good preaching, Brother Gaddy. But don't worry, this doesn't mean I'm going to preach a lot longer. I'm just hot. It is always God's will to follow his word. I've looked recently at this whole idea of Jesus walking up to men, most of whom did not know him. 
and looking at them and uttering two words. Follow me. How could apostles drop what they were doing and follow Jesus Christ at two words beckon? And I, I want to submit to this church, it's because Jesus surprised them with an opportunity of a lifetime. Now here's something that's interesting that sometimes we can miss if we don't understand scripture and study it out. Jesus, as a Jewish teacher, was in a position where the situation should have been reversed. His disciples should have been the ones who approached him and said, let me follow you. You say, was there a Bible for that? Yes, Luke chapter 9 and verse 57. A man comes to Jesus and says, I will follow you, master. In fact, these ones that would approach a rabbi and ask if they could follow the rabbi were called the Talmud. You see, the law was taught orally in those days. And so for these active pursuers of a rabbi to be taught, they had to be close and they had to literally follow after the rabbi. They were the ones that would come to the teacher and seek him out and listen and ask to follow him. Luke chapter 9 and verse 57 says, It happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you. Wherever you go, Jesus was a very prominent figure in Galilee. He was extremely well educated, and we know this by the fact that he was called rabbi. You were not called rabbi if you were just a beginner in the law. He was called rabbi by the lawyers, the rich, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. He fit the description of a first century rabbi, especially one who people would want to come and ask to follow. But if a rabbi approached a Talmud and said, follow me. It was a big deal because it meant that that rabbi believed that that potential student had the ability and the commitment to become like him. So when Jesus walked up to the tax table and said to Levi, follow me, he was doing more than just gathering a team. He was saying, Levi, I see something in you that you have the power and the commitment to be like me. That call to follow him meant that he saw something that even the student did not see. He saw a potential he saw a commitment. He saw a buried ability that when yielded to the rabbi could produce kingdom fruit. Isn't it amazing that the Lord Jesus is here today through his word saying to men and women in new life in Cabot, follow me. Why? Because he sees something in us. He sees a possible commitment. He sees a kingdom potential. He sees something that maybe we do not even see ourselves. And because of this, I have to sell out. 
I'll finish with this and musicians can come. Someone asked me a few years ago, they said, Brother Gaddy, just in years of ministry, what are some differences that you have seen when you started in the ministry to now? And I'm not an old man, but I've been in the ministry for 30 years now. They said, what, what are some things that you saw back then and when you started and what you see now? Do you see any red flags? Do you see any, obviously we've seen some great things, but do you see any danger points? And... Uh, it was like the Lord just had me ready for that. And, and that doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes I have to really pray and just think about it. But I, maybe my spirit was open and I felt the Lord quicken something to me right away. And they said, what do you think are some of the danger points? And I'll just share with you what I said that day. I see, I, I think one of the most dangerous points in the church today is we can have way too many options. I am banking my whole life on the faith that this book is right. I don't, I don't know that you would say this to me, but if you say, Brother Gaddy, can you give me a side door? Sorry. This is probably not the church for you. Can you give me a, an easy path? No, because I'm not going to go beyond what Jesus did. I'm not going to go beyond what the man did. The man sold all and said, I got to get that field. Once you notice something, he bought the field. He bought into everything around the treasure. Everything that contained the treasure. He didn't cherry pick. He didn't say, I'll take this part of the field. I'll take that part. Of the, I'm going to stay away from that part of the field. He bought the entire field. It was worth selling out for the investment of the field. Stand with me if you would. Let's pray right now. I feel like I need to pray for just a moment. Come on, I want someone to help me pray. Come on, while you're starting to pray, I'm going to ask you not to move in and out right now. There's a spirit, there's a Holy Spirit in this house right now. Uh, there's something about the kingdom there's something about the kingdom there's something about the kingdom it's a treasure and you can find it today but we have to seek for it
I've really wrestled with the Lord because early this morning I felt him prompt me to share something that is a little uncomfortable for me because although I've tried obviously in the 22 years that I've pastored here to be very transparent with this church I never ever ever want to come across as somehow that I got it all together my wife and I have it all together we don't have struggles we have struggles like every couple and every family does so I'll preface what I'm gonna say by saying this one of the things I've learned over a few years of pastoring is we do the very best to raise our kids to serve the Lord but at some point they have to decide whether they will serve the Lord and so I just want to make one disclaiming statement here today. If you are here and you raise your kids in the apostolic faith, you raise them to love the Lord, and they are not serving the Lord today, I refuse to believe that you need to beat yourself up and you need to walk out of here feeling like you are a failure. Every one of us will stand before God individually and give account for our decision about how we serve the Lord or did not serve the Lord. But Stacy and I were sitting at a, a dinner table a couple nights ago. And I had a preacher look across and he said, tell me about your family. And I said, well, you see my wife, but I got two kids. I got a 23-year-old and 21-year-old. And he said, Where, are they with you? Are they, they, they there in Cabot with you? I said, no. My son, he's a senior in college in St. Louis. And my daughter is overseas in missions. He said, Really? He said, where? And I'm going to be very general on purpose because we're webcasting today. I said, over in the Middle East. And you wouldn't believe in about three months' time since my daughter left, the times that I've shared that with people in just personal conversations. And they went, oh. And he said to me, Stacy, you'll remember this. He said, how are you functioning? And I don't know, I don't know if I surprised him with what I said, Celinda and Brother and Sister Shirley, some of you who know what that, that call from another world is like. But I told him, I said, I was at a conference about two years ago when my daughter first went overseas to the Middle East and I woke up scared in the middle of the night, Sister Gwen. I just had let my imagination run wild and I got down next to the bed and I started praying. And I said, God, I can't do this. This may be a career for her. I cannot stay scared. All I can tell you is after praying for about 10 minutes next to that bed in that motel room in Mississippi, something lifted off of me. And I not one time have been uneasy listen to me I'm not preaching for response right now you don't have to say one word to me about this after church I'm trying to preach a point here there is something about the kingdom that it's not going to make sense rationally but it's a treasure 
I'm preaching to somebody. You think, well, I'm really living. You really haven't lived until you've sought after the kingdom. Come on, I want us to pray right now. I want you to pray for your family right now. I want you to lift up your voice with me. Somebody is connecting right now. Come on, there's something about the kingdom. You will never get away from it. It will provide satisfaction like you cannot imagine when you seek after the kingdom of God. When you seek after the domain. That kingdom means the domain of the king. The influence of the king. Where Jesus is working. What Jesus is up to. There's something about the kingdom that we cannot quantify. Come on, I want intercessors to rise up right now. I want some intercessors to rise up right now. Hallelujah. Come on, this appeal is very simple this morning. We're going to go home in just a minute. It's just a little bit before noon right now. We're going to go to lunch. But if you're here and you're actively wanting to seek after the kingdom, I want you. I want you right now. I want you to do something. I want you to act right now. I don't want you just to passively pray. I want you to act. I want you to step out. And I want you to get over in an aisle or up in an altar. And I want you to just signify to the Lord, Lord, I'm pursuing the kingdom. I'm coming after the kingdom. The kingdom of God is what it's about. It's a treasure. It's a treasure. Come on, those of you, you're not usually ones that step out. There's a call from another world right now. There's a call from another world right now. Somebody seek his kingdom. Come on, somebody. Buy the field today. Buy the field today. Sell out. Sell out. Sell out to the kingdom. Oh, God. Come on, come on, come on. I need some intercessors to help us pray. We're going to break through something today. We're going to break through something in the Holy Ghost this morning. Come on, somebody, buy the field. Come on, elder, buy the field. Come on, young adult, buy the field. Come on, single parent, buy the field today. Come on, dad, buy the field today. Buy the field. Seek the kingdom. Get after the kingdom. Buy everything around the treasure. Buy everything around the treasure. Woo! Come on, come on, that's it. That's it. We're going to pray a little bit today. We're going to pray a few minutes today. Come on, Jesus is listening to our prayer today. Come on, if it's been a while, if you put the kingdom on the back burner, get it up front right now. Seek after the kingdom. Pursue after the kingdom. Don't let anything keep you from the kingdom. Woo! Go ahead. Go ahead and pray right now. Come on, this is a personal altar call right now. This is a personal call from the Lord right now. This is a personal appeal from the Lord right now. Jesus has a treasure for us. He has a treasure for us. It's in the field. It's in the field. Woo! 
Come on, it's always God's will to do God's word. It's always God's will to follow God's word. I'm getting after the kingdom. I'm getting after the kingdom. I'm pursuing the kingdom. Every other pursuit is hollow. Every other thing is hollow. Come on, let us raise kingdom kids, Lord. Let us be a kingdom family, Lord Jesus. Let us be a people committed to your kingdom. Let us seek your kingdom, oh God. Woo! Let us seek your kingdom, oh God. Let us seek your kingdom, oh Lord. Your kingdom, your kingdom, your kingdom, your kingdom. That's where it's at, Lord. That's where it's at, Lord. That's where our satisfaction is at. That's where our peace is at, Lord. It's your kingdom. Hallelujah. I give to you, oh yes. I'm not holding anything back, Lord. God, help us, help us, help us today, God. Help us today, Lord. Help us today. Oh yes, Lord. I give you all of me. I give you, I give you all, all of me. Yes, I do. I give you all of me. I give you all, Lord Jesus. I give you all of me. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If your family is near you right now, I wish you would just draw them close to you. I'm going to give you a second to find your family. Moms, dads, grandparents, I just want you to get with your family right now. Yes. Come on, the Holy Ghost is speaking today. Holy Ghost is speaking today. Greatest pursuit we could ever move our children toward is pursuit of the kingdom of God. Dominic, Shana, thank you for pursuing the kingdom of God. Thank you for making that your highest priority. I want to show you a picture of a guy on the screen. I'm going to let you go here in just a minute. His name is Reggie Mead. We have his picture. There he is. In the early 1980s, Reggie and his friend Richard had a conversation with a woman who told him a very strange story and here's what she said she said my dad who was a farmer on the British island of Jersey in the English Channel discovered silver coins while he was plowing his field one day so Reggie the guy on the screen and his friend approached the farmer watch this now and that farmer gave them permission to search the field 
he said, you have at most 15 hours. I'm going to give you 15 hours. And in 15 hours, if you haven't found something, I want you out of here. They just plowed up the field, so he felt like it was a conducive environment for finding anything that was buried underneath there. He said, you have 15 hours. In 15 hours, if you haven't found anything, I want you out of here. 30 years later, Reggie and his friend were still searching in the field. Because they didn't find anything the first day. But they just kept showing up in the field. They kept showing up in the field. They kept showing up in the field. And in June of 2012, while going over the field for the umpteenth time, they found some coins. So they called in a professional archaeologist and slowly they began to unearth 68,000 silver coins. <laughs> Archaeologists determined that this hoard was buried sometime between 30 and 40 BC by the French when they were likely fleeing from a Roman invasion, a Roman invasion rather, by Julius Caesar. The Catalan hoard is the largest hoard of gold ever discovered. You know what? How'd, how'd that happen? Because Reggie decided, I'm just going to stay pursuing after the treasure. I'm going to show up when I feel like it. And I'm going to show up when I don't feel like it. I'm going to show up in good weather, and I'm going to show up in bad weather. I'm going to show up when other people are joining me, and I'm going to show up when it's just me and my metal detector and my buddy out in the field. But they showed up long enough to find the treasure. And listen, I leave you with this today. If we will pursue his kingdom, he will let us find it. He will let us find it. We got to get after it. We got to get after it. Let's pray one more time. Brother Johnson, I want you to come up here. I want you to come up here. I want Pastor Johnson to pray over this church. When he leads us in prayer, I want you to lift up your voice right now. And I want you one more time with an active pursuit after the kingdom to say, God, I'm getting after it. I'm pursuing your kingdom. Come on, let's, let's pray with Pastor Johnson right now. Let us pray. Hallelujah. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, God, for this word that we have heard today. We pray, God, that it would rest itself in our spirit, that a pursuit will join us, that, God, I will pursue after. I will not let my environment control the pursuit. Give us a hunger for righteousness and a thirst for your holiness, God. I pray for this church right now that, God, you would bless them beyond measure. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you, God. Hallelujah. Let us not burn out, but let us burn on for the cause of your Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you, God. We thank you. In Jesus' wonderful name.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor Johnson. Don't forget, small groups are a great time to connect this Wednesday night. Go to our website. You can find a group to be a part of. You're dismissed in the name of Jesus. Go in the fear of God, the love of the Lord. We're thankful.